Welcome to The Board, a podcast series on mechanical keyboards by the mechanical keyboard community. Proudly brought to you by Idea23, awesome caps at great prices. Kibio, the place for split keyboards. DIY keyboards, get cracking. And Daily Clack, Australia's enthusiasts mechanical keyboard store. Well, it's been a fortnight since we last spoke, and I do want to apologise that I didn't put together an episode last week. Uh, I know that, you know, why I didn't uh, probably wasn't really that strong a reason or a justification for for not doing an episode. I, I really could probably have done one. But, you know, sometimes life just hands you a bit of a, a stick and you know you, you feel like not having to do some things to to sort of concentrate on doing other things and, and it's been a very challenging period of time recently uh, for me with with work there's been still ongoing <laughs> reorganizational changes occurring in my space and I have been promised that there will be some certainty coming very soon and today I was pretty happy to have a discussion with my my boss that the plans that had been discussed and talked about over the last two weeks are green lighted for formalization it's just that that will probably take this week into next week but it needs to be done by the end of the month so that's good so there's some certainty there but it's just the effects of managing the things around that that's been causing me a bit of I don't know. Stress is probably a good way of describing it. So last week, you know, I just decided to have a bit of self-care in that context and and just take a bit of a break. It was it was just a very long, challenging day. Uh, back-to-back meetings, pretty much straight through. I ended up eating my lunch during a team meeting that I that I hold, um, and and just you know that was how life was. Today was. I'm not going to say terribly much better because I still had back-to-backs all the way from 8.30 till 1 o'clock. Uh, <laughs> and then by the time I got back to my office and had lunch, it was already you know, 1.30 and I'd been going since 7 o'clock. So just some long days and, uh, and whatnot. But I'm definitely looking forward towards the Christmas break coming up. Now keyboards in the last two weeks well there's definitely been a bit of popcorn and drama but as much as I do like talking about drama sometimes I don't like to talk about drama because it tends to bring out the negative side of what is in our community and I always want to be able to bring to the table more positivity and and sharing so I went through the topics list this week and and what I was able to dredge up and it's it's getting a bit thin on the ground it really is there's a lot of run-of-the-mill content and it does make it hard for me to talk about stuff interesting so I do ask please of course if there's anything that you find personally interesting that you want me to talk about send it through to me because it'll help me and I'm always happy to look about it and give my opinion, even if it's something that I natively might not have considered to talk about. I'll still go ahead and do that for you. So 
I've only got really a couple of things, so this week is probably going to be quite a light episode. Uh, I do apologize for that, because, well, yeah, effort in equals quality out, and, and I do feel bad because it feels like I'm not putting in a lot of effort, but at the same time, there's going to be an inspiration factor. Next week, I do hope that I'll have a lot more to talk about, because this coming weekend is going to be the Sydney Mechanical Keyboard Meetup. And it's going to be on Saturday, the 30th of November at the New South Wales Teachers Federation building in, I believe, what's called the Heritage Room. It's a different room to where it was previously when we used that venue. It should be pretty good. Uh, Ryan, who we talked with a lot earlier in the interview and the person who developed the Austere, which is the case to go with the open source Alice PCB, um, has actually organized that. And it's been a really fantastic journey watching Ryan take carriage and ownership of that meetup planning. It's gone from getting sponsors, uh, prizes and things like that to running a small group buy for uh, a Rama designed cap to help fund the actual meetup, plus having the raffles and stuff like that. So I will be attending. Uh, I think it goes from one o'clock to four o'clock off the top of my head, but please do check on Facebook on the Australian Mechanical Keyboards page because the details are there, or join the uh, Australian Keyboard Discord, which is currently called Snag Keys, but the name changes from time to time. I'm gonna be there, I'm gonna have my Switch collection, which this weekend, it was kind of a compensation for the fact that I didn't do the podcast earlier. I did a live stream where I just put together a 60% keyboard to just put another keyboard into the Switch Library collection. So I'm going to have a tub there with a bunch of keyboards just with stock switches so people can check out and try and compare stock switches. Because I still feel and believe that stock switches serve a very important purpose so people have a frame of reference on what modified switches are like. Uh, so that should be that should be fun. That should be good. I will make sure that my mobile podcasting interview kit is charged. And then if anybody feels like sitting down and going through 20 questions or having a chat during the meetup, then I'll be happy to do that. And that will just give me a bit of extra stuff to slot in here and there. What I am also planning to do, and I've kind of just gauged out a bit of feelers here now, is that... Um, I have about seven kilograms or what's that? Or probably 16 pounds, 16, 17 pounds of keycaps from grab bags. So I'm actually going to take them to the meetup in the tub that they're in. They're all sorted already. So I'm going to do the worst thing possible, which is I'm going to empty them out of their sorting bags, give them a good rummage. I'm going to have a scoop there. I'm going to have some baggies there and a scale. And I'm going to offer them to meet up people if they want to buy grab bag scoops at a reasonable price. And, and what I mean by that is a lot of people like the concept of grab bags, but they just don't see themselves investing, especially for Australia, $82 for a massive bag. Uh, and it's fun for people who want to try and test out different profiles as well, potentially pick up something different in terms of novelty keycaps because there are often a lot of them in there. And it suits very well for things like switch testers and little macro pads and stuff like that. So a good size scoop 
you know, like a one cup scoop. I'm estimating it's probably, uh, you know, 50 grams or something like that. I was thinking about $10 per 100 grams or it's going to be $5 for 50 grams. Now, noting that one keycap weighs roughly one gram, you're going to be picking them up for basically 10 cents a keycap, which is really cheap in the grand scheme of thing, especially because they're signature plastic keycaps. And if you go on signature plastics, or pimp my keyboard website and look at how much individual keycaps are, 10 cents Australian, mind you, is an absolute steal. So, yeah. I think doing that would help me because it will at least uh, convert some of that back into cash flow for me to continue with projects, uh, as well as help the community out with a bit of fun and make it something exciting because you know, people love sorting through at least small volumes, not necessarily three pounds to try and find something interesting. So that's what's coming up ahead for me this week. Uh, and recently, you know, I talked about when I'd stuffed up a PCB design, a PCB for somebody in our Slack group. And, you know, that that seems to be currently just waiting parts. But I've had another request from somebody else in our community, and they will obviously know who they are now, listening to this, uh, to help them build a quite big ortholinear board. Authors are quite easy in terms of the matrix, but with this one, what was challenging for me so far is putting in uh, LEDs, which are in-switch LEDs, but not individually addressable. And so I did have to ask around to get some help with that on, on laying that out. And, you know, it got me thinking about the mistakes that I'd made in doing the other keyboard plus the mistakes that the earlier mistakes I'd made because I started laying out the actual schematic and then I didn't ask the right question because I made certain assumptions which were obviously incorrect. Now this is not at all the fault of the person requesting because they didn't actually tell me to go ahead. They were just like, you know, this is what I'd like to lay out and I'll let you know when I kind of settle on it. But I just went ahead and jumped straight into that pool because I felt it was probably more productive trying to get a head start on it and laying stuff out than playing countless games of, you know, League. But I ended up having to redraw the whole thing schematically because my assumptions were incorrect. So that's okay, learning lesson. But it just makes me think, should we be developing, at least for beginners, some kind of draft guide checklist, perhaps, on the things that you need to know and understand before you start laying down a design. Now, we've already talked about something similar previously in, say, building a keyboard, right? You need to know that you got to have switches, caps, diodes, microcontroller, case, standoffs, screws, you know, all of that kind of stuff to build a keyboard. But then what about the things in regards to designing, say, a PCB. Now, there's fantastic guides out there, right? So, you know, the AIO3 Revised Guide of Ruiki Mouse Guide is one of the most referenced places to start in using KiCad. But it goes through concepts that are predefined because it's like, we're going to build this. So it's not framed in the same way as 
Well, if somebody's asking you to design a PCB, or if you're going to design a PCB for yourselves, what are the questions you need to ask yourself? What are the questions you need to ask the person who's requesting the design? For me, it's now that I'm sort of more in that frame of mind, because it's been a little while since I've really dug into doing a PCB design, which is why I kind of got unstuck, is <clears throat> I didn't have that checklist mentally. I would only snippets of it, right? Because typically what happens is someone goes, can you help me design something like this? And I go, oh yeah, sure. And then I start working away. But then I get to points where I go, oh, how about this? Or what about that? Or what are your opinions on this? Or what do you want from that? And then it poses problems because I got to go back and change the schematic or I got to go and change the actual physical layout. I got to delete traces and X, Y, and Z. So it probably would be quite beneficial even for myself to come up with this checklist, right? And it would just be more about, you know, layout, keys, LEDs, uh, positioning, you know, the port, reset switch, um, RGBs, you know, external, uh, what do you call them, breakout pins, and stuff like that, orientation of the MCU, you know, flipped in, flipped out, and stuff like that. So there's a lot of those kind of very simplistic technical questions that will give the designer the reference. Of course, if you ask these questions and the person requesting it has no idea what they want, then, well, you shouldn't start work anyway because they haven't got a clear picture exactly what it is. And they go, oh, you know, it'd be nice. Because it, it really does change how you lay something down. The other thing that I found really interesting is Previously, of all the stuff that I've helped people do, and I'm not going to call them commissions because I don't take money for doing this, right? I do it because I find it interesting. I do it to help people out. And whether if people want to contribute or not, that's a separate issue. And I've done a large number of, you know, simple PCBs now for people, and, and they're not really commissions. They're just requests for help. But with all of these, they've normally just given me the layout, and I've had the freedom to route the board however I like and make the PCB to suit the routing to be comfortable and safe. This time around, I was actually asked to fit it within a very specific plate size. So they'd already drawn up the actual plate in something like um, the AIO3 plate builder or the Swill KB plate builder. I'm not entirely sure which one it is, but it doesn't matter. But they'd already laid that out and they said, can you fit the PCB to the same size as this? And technically I could. I don't believe there was any reason why I wouldn't be able to, but it was just interesting. It was challenging because I had not been put in that situation previously. So I'm having a bit of, I don't want to say fun because PCB building is not exactly what I would call fun. I would say it's it's interesting. It's challenging. Uh, I do enjoy it, but it's not the same categorization as fun. You know, enjoy doing things, but not all things that are enjoyable are necessarily fun. <laughs> so I do hope that I'll be able to finish this relatively soon and have a high degree of confidence that when it gets ordered and put together, it'll be completely functional and meets the briefing and requirements. But Noting the mistakes that I'd made with the other PCB, I'm definitely a more cautious 
and going to be checking back and forth, back and forth to make sure that if there's anything I've missed, the moment that I think of it, I'm going to cover it before I hit that plunge to fabrication, or at least providing files for fabrication. What is going to be interesting about this particular board and design, at least, is they came straight out at the start and said it's going to be open source. And I was fine with that because I didn't have any other expectations at that point because it was just like, well, that's going to be open source. So what I do here is going to be open source. Um, yeah, it's something different. Not the most complex design and layout out there. And hopefully we'll be able to share it very, very soon. <clears throat> you ate peanut butter on the bread? Oh, you didn't have any of mummy's ragu no no you didn't want the stew okay yes it's dinner time around here but uh i already Here's ate what was that daddy already ate but thank you for asking go finish your bread please ah family life isn't it wonderful <laughs> Okay, so let's dig into this week's lightweight episode with some topics from the community. Ah, uh, <clears throat> I think let's just start with some very light and easy. And I guess the first one is that, uh, you know, this is not drama, right? It's not drama yet, but uh, it's, it's a question of division and unity keyboard community as big as it is is very small right in regards to niche hobbies we're a reasonable size across the different platforms you know between reddit between geekhack desktority uh keep talk and type hype and all that kind of stuff we're we're actually tiny we're less than a million easily we're well below that threshold so the topic i'm talking about is that uh Magnor231 created a new keyboard subreddit. And it makes me wonder, what is the purpose and value here? Because the post just says, just made a new keyboard subreddit similar to r slash custom keyboards. This subreddit has content. So you can be the first to post in it. This is it, our enthusiast keyboards. <clears throat> so... What's the thinking behind here? What is what is that that drives somebody to go, you know what, I'm not happy with the fact that we've got a well-established sub. I want to crack out a new one and try and convince people to go and post more of their stuff there or spend more time posting on multiple subs to share their keyboard and their love of keyboard. The, the top comment was that uh, there isn't enough content for a cooler than MK but not coolers ck sub basic stuff goes here more advanced stuff goes there what would go into your sub and magnor says the mid-range i build stuff like the kbd 67 and kbd 8x i never want to disrespect the non-official rule of no kbd fans i figured i would try and make a custom keyboards that accepted these boards more free i didn't realize that our mechanical keyboards had a ban on that. But custom keyboards obviously must have a ban of KBD fans keyboards. Now, custom keyboards, as far as subreddits go, 
is quite a elite level sub. It's quite a, you know, nose snobby type of, oh, I've got a, you know, a TGR Jane or things like that. Or I've got, you know, an ALF board and things. So them saying, you know, they want a place to be our post KBD fans. Well, is that really sufficient? I don't know. It's, it's a bit of a hard sell here. Now, this post has zero upvotes at the time and it's only 33% upvoted and if I actually it was posted two days ago if I actually go and visit enthusiast keyboards there is one two three four five six seven so there's seven posts and 13 people subscribed here it's not exactly taking off like a rocket what makes it really interesting for me though going in is you know I want to I wanted to give it a chance right but you go on the sidebar and it says this is a content-rich subreddit where you can appreciate and post top-tier enthusiast keyboards. Wait. Top-tier enthusiast keyboards. You've just gone and told me on RMK this is for mid-tier keyboards. Hmm. Okay. Not exactly the most consistent behavior here. Then the second post, which, you know, they, the owner, creator put the first one enthusiast keyboard being created the second one is feel free to submit whatever you want just read and follow the rules what rules i don't find any rules i like there's no wiki and the sidebar just says content rich subreddit where you can appreciate and post top tier enthusiast keyboards so does that mean the rules is only top tier enthusiast keyboards not exactly the most well thought out and set up subreddit just saying just putting it out there if you really want to drive people you got to have some stuff ready to go if you're going to make any claims about following the rules you got to have some rules if you're going to have a message to say this is for mid-tier don't say top tier on your subreddit so, yeah, just a uh, pinch of salt, whether this subreddit will really take off or not anytime soon, or if it might just dwindle and die, I don't know, it's very hard to say. But it's nice that, you know, more content should be shared and put out and generated, but uh, it's up for you to decide and where you want to go and vote with your posts. Rightio. Now, second topic this week, uh, it, it's a bit of science, I suppose, is a good way of describing it. Science, science, science. So, WCN Spectre put up a post that said, Adjustable Actuation Linear Switch Concept. They're very simple, and it says, Right now, I'm working a new switch where instead of a spring, it uses two electromagnets that can be adjusted. The electromagnets are both positioned so that both negative poles face each other. Thank you for your thoughts. Well, it's um, it's pretty empty in there. It's very crickety. I mean, three days and, and not much action. It's it's pretty crickety. Now. For me, this one's really interesting because the science behind 
an electromagnet is it's pretty simple you know you put electricity through a object with a core wrapped around it and it produces a magnetic field which the magnetic field can induce um, sorry it produces an electric field and the electric field can induce a magnetic field and therefore provides the forces required to provide resistance the logistical issue here that I have is they're talking about using two electromagnets inside a switch to have an electromagnet you need to be able to pass electricity through it okay so so that's that's the first thing so logistically speaking in a physical sense how are you going to provide power to both sides or two electromagnets the first one's easy because it's probably on the bottom of the switch or it's on the pcb and it can be hardwired into the trace so then the second one which has to be somewhere within the switch mechanism either on the stem or something of that nature that is being pushed down because this is essentially what you're providing the resistance against it means you're going to have a moving part that has to be electrically connected it has to be electrically you know conductive now you could have a direct wire to your electromagnet, but that's pretty risky. Failure rate on that potentially might be high, especially because of a lot of shock and vibration from people typing, tapping, hitting it very hard, and so on and so forth. Solder joints are tough, but solder joints aren't designed to be on objects that are constantly moving and flexing. Now, that's why we talk about rigid components on PCBs. If you want to get away from, say, a wire, because, you know, that has its challenges, well, the only other way that I can really think about it is you're going to either have an electrified rail. So the stem sliding up and down is electrically connected through the actual rail, right? Think of it like, uh, you know, a train rail. You're going to have something that's metal on it. And this is exactly how a lot of electric trains and underground work, is they draw power from a third rail in the middle of the train that's in contact or if you've ever seen the buses uh, or trains on surface rail they've got a spring loaded uh, contact bar across the top that touches the high voltage lines and that transfers power so you're going to need something like that but then that poses all sorts of issues because if you got wobble you're going to have intermittent contact and then you're switching the electromagnetic field it's not going to be consistent right it's going to be it's going to be glitchy and then you're not going to get even feel because it might you know disconnect and drop a bit and then kick back and bounce and do all sorts of funny things but if you have it nice and tight so that you are guaranteeing contact well that means it's going to be a high friction surface contact and people generally aren't massive fans of that because it's going to be wearing and grinding and then over time will it last 50 million keystrokes will that wearing of those metal surface contacts cause a problem sure you could lube it but then now you need something that's a conductive lube as well so yeah this is starting to add more and more questions on how this would actually work of course the thing is keyboards also just run off 5 volt right through usb unless if you have an external power supply feeding into the keyboard that will give you something more 
or if you're going to have an inverter which will potentially pull the current and ramp that voltage up. There's no problem with that, except for the fact that USB protocol has limitations on the maximum amounts of current that it can pull. So I haven't done the maths here because I'm not an electromagnetic kind of expert, but how much of an electromagnetic field can you actually generate with 5 volts and 500 milliamp or whatever the USB standard is for USB-C? That's, that's a pretty important question to ask. Then, if that field, because field strength drops off proportionally. All right, field strength drops off, I think, 1 over 4? There's a particular, you know, logarithmic curve for it. So I don't think it's a linear thing. So for it to be strong enough to bridge, you know, a travel gap of whatever distance you're talking about, like normal stem travel is like a 4 mil travel or something like that, um, at least for actuation. But you don't want to bottom out your electromagnet onto another electromagnet. So you're going to obviously need extra height to compensate for that. You finish your... You dropped it. You were holding it and you dropped it. Did you tell mommy that you dropped the bread? What happened then? What did mommy do? Mommy said there's no more. Well, it's because you dropped it. Why did you drop your bread? Because you dropped your bread. Well, that's not very good. Are you still hungry? No. No, you're not hungry? You're full? Okay. Are you going to go wash your mouth? You have peanut butter all over your face. <coughs> go. Go wash your face. Call me uh, So, you don't want your electromagnets, right, contacting each other. Because that's going to potentially cause a short as well, right? And that's going to be another electrical problem to deal with. So, you know, if your field strength is strong enough to hold and collapse a 4 mil travel, that's going to be some serious fine-tuning. Then, how much electrical interference are you generating around the other switches and circuits? Unless if you can somehow Gaussian cage and box it in. So, conceptually, it sounds interesting. But the more that you work into this, I think it's going to get quite challenging to make this happen. So, I'm going to say good luck to you, WCN Spectre, because I would love to see the progress that you have on this and how you solve some of these potential issues that I, at least, perceive you might encounter. I, I, I genuinely actually would love to see someone having a crack at this. And, yeah, you know, because the only way we're going to get innovation is if we continue to push those boundaries and those envelopes, right? Fail fast and just keep innovating. Whew. Okay, dokey. Um, now, some something fun and different, which is uh, rendering keycaps in Blender. Now, I'm talking about creating a digital artifact and I'm not talking about like melting down like as if you would say render fat uh, from something and when I say blender I'm talking about the 3d program software package and not like something that you might put food and make a smoothie in uh, so Vorkus 
I think, has done an absolutely amazing job here of putting together... It is a literal two-minute video. It's two minutes and nine seconds in conjunction with a website that is released in beta phase, mind you. So, you know, you've got to make sure that you understand that it's in beta on how to basically do free 3D renders of keycap sets. It's pretty amazing. So they've gone and made a model of a uh, FC60660C in Blender, as well as uh, a standard layout set for a couple of different profiles. Uh, I think it's uh, SADSA. I'm not sure if Cherry has it. Let me just go back to the site. Okay, so the options are case with SA caps, case with DSA caps, case with GMK caps, and just the case, and that's the 660. Now, he's written M on it, but it's the same as the C, right? And then just the caps, he's got SADSA and GMK, and it's a 100% sized uh, layout, right? Just a standard full-size layout. So the intent here is that you go and download the .blend file. You have Blender, you load it in, and he's written it already and had everything set up. So all you have to do is select, say, Alphas or Legends, and then you can select either the base color and change it, or you can select the Legends and change it. But in the same two minute, nine second video, he also shows how you can break it out so you can do individual items as well. If you want special keys to be a different color to the actual set, like escape key or the return key or spacebar and so on and so forth. For me, I'm going to say a massive, massive, you are awesome. Um, because putting something together like this is, you want more milk? Well, mommy can get it for you after she finishes, okay? All right. Uh, because this is such a invaluable resource for people to get into designing keycap sets and renders and seeing what it actually looks like. Because when you use something like Curly, it's very limited and it's very flat. And it doesn't give you the same feel and presence compared to the renders. People in our community pay, you know, 50 bucks plus to get a really nice render. And this is a really great starting point for these renders. You know, the the realism factor here is, uh, I'm going to say, probably 75% to 80%. Like, they're not super duper professional in it, awesome angles and, you know, checking it out and having background and stuff like that. But for interest checks... This is definitely enough to get you off the ground because people can see it. People can actually feel that image emotively compared to a flat KLE render, right? Which really isn't a render as such. So, you know, mad props to you. Um, Vorkus, otherwise known as uh, Dakota Fielder. Really, I think this is going to take off heaps and, you know, I think a lot of people should make sure that they, they acknowledge your contribution to helping more and more sets come through and look great as part of their interest checks. 
I know I definitely will try and check it out and download Blender again. I'm terrible at using Blender. I tried it and gave up just because my, my mind wasn't really set to, to slog through it. But having this resource available means, you know, I can start playing with colors again. Not that I've got the money uh, <laughs> to put together a group by, but hey, it's it's good to, to get involved and fiddle. Whew. So we're kind of cross through a, a good point now where I just want to talk very quickly about competitions. Um, it's been really interesting this month because I know that I specifically asked for a challenging entry, which is, of course, to support my Movember campaign. Previously, you know, I'd never really done terribly much in this in this manner because I'm not a massive fan of self-promotion and asking other people to promote for me I generally also do don't really do but I said you know how about let's have a try and show some evidence of you supporting my Movember campaign on a forum or a discord or something like that and you just have to screen cap it and go hey you know support Movember it doesn't even have to be specifically my Movember campaign you know and I, I hope I made that kind of clear so far I've received zero entries via email, but I have seen one entry on Reddit. So I want to say thank you to that person. Uh, <laughs> and they also made a, a donation to my Movember campaign as well. So right now, you are front and center in at least winning something because, well, if there's no other entries, then you've got top pick. Uh, but, you know, you still got this week. I still got to the end of the month to get involved if you like. I'm not going to change the competition because it certainly wouldn't be fair, which is if you would like to be in the draw to win one of our prizes from Kibio, DIY keyboards, or the board lapel pin, then send me something, screen cap or, or link, whatever, where you are promoting Movember, right? Promoting Movember for the purposes of supporting men's health. If you want to use my specific campaign, you're more than welcome to. If you want to use somebody else's, more than welcome to. Just help spread that word. Rightio. Um, the other thing with that too, by the way, is that uh, I am running a competition for Movember. There is a link that I will put in the show notes for the Gleam competition. So if you're kind of coming late into it, you still have a chance. You know, there's just some actions to check out a couple of websites and stuff like that. No subscription required and no donation required. And what you can win is a Cooler Master extra large RGB mouse pad, which I will mail using Australia Post anywhere in the world to whoever wins it. Well, as a segue going forward, we're actually nearly at 3,000 subscribers on YouTube. Man, it has been a super hard slog for this last 100 subs, I can tell you. Even the last 50 has been a heck of a slog. But I have this keyboard that is sitting with all my other stuff, courtesy of Mitanale, which has been instructed to be given away when we hit 3,000 subscribers. That keyboard's getting pretty sad. It's been sitting there for a very long time. And I would certainly love to be able to move it on to its new family. So if you are listening to this, or if you have friends who are interested in mechanical keyboards, 
and you want that giveaway to kick off, well, head on down on YouTube, find our channel, get involved, hit that subscribe button, that like button, and hit that bell notification button, and then we can get that competition going, and that keyboard out of here. Oh, rightio. Last topic for this week. And and this one's this one's a really interesting one because it's not like we're exactly going full circle or anything of that nature. Um but we we're kind of um kind of delving into some really interesting space. And and what I'm talking about is this week Columbo Collection. Um, I'm actually going to go and check it out, right, um, while I'm talking. If I can type it in correctly. Columb. Columbo Collection. There we go. Okay. You bring in your puppy. Oh, he's very noisy, isn't he, when he clanks around? What are you doing with puppy in here? You're taking him for a walk? Okay. All right. All righty. So, Colombo Collection on Instagram. Uh, her name is Jennifer Colombo, and it specifically has artist and designer of custom typewriters and restorations, typewriter enthusiast and repair woman. And there's a whole bunch of vintage typewriters that have been restored with some really nice colors and things like that. So... She's actually come onto our subreddit and said that she was looking at awesome posts of cool computer keys and wants to try to use this art and put into vintage typewriter. Do you think it's possible? And I think that's really awesome uh, because, you know, we have blanks and obviously vintage typewriters typically don't necessarily have blanks, but it doesn't mean that they can't have blanks. And we also know that a lot of typewriters, more modern typewriters, mind you, can often have keycaps that are mod, like moddable, modifiable to fit our keyboards. And some of them are quite coveted, you know, through the use of adapters and other things. So it's kind of like almost the inverse, right? What are the opportunities where we can take beautiful artisans, both sculpted and non-sculpted blanks and stuff like that painted cast etched whatever you want to call them you know pbd die subbed etc etc to go backwards i think it would actually be kind of easy in some ways because if if jennifer has already got uh, typewriters that she's pulling apart to restore them to clean them to paint them as long as we can get a cap to base it off, we could cast them, right? We can make molds, and then therefore we can do all sorts of really cool stuff. And the mount mechanism, often for these, because it's just a mechanical bar with something that the keycap is fitted onto, you know, either pushed on or glued on or, you know, something of that nature. Well, as long as we understand that mount and the size and the dimensions and we use the right medium materials, there's no reason why we can't get into customizing key sets for typewriters. So 
if you love typewriters, like I really like typewriters, I just don't really have a use for them at home. And I certainly don't have a use for them in the office, as funny as that would be, you know, hammering out something on a typewriter. I think people might look at me a little bit batty. Uh, but if you want to be getting your artistic flair out there, I think there's there's a lot of opportunity here to really expand into that space. I mean, seeing some of those top-level artisans or even something simple like a bro or a clack on a vintage typewriter, that, that would certainly get some kicks. So I want to say, you know, Jennifer, those typewriters, and it's probably quite unlikely that she's going to hear this unless if somebody knows them or shares it and, and links them to this, but I think you do some really beautiful work there. Definitely, it's very, very nice, and I love the fact that you are restoring those vintage typewriters rather than getting you know thrown away and trashed and stuff like that because there's a certain part of me that that really loves and appreciates that upcycling as well as that keeping part of our history our technology and use and i know my my wife loves typewriters you know and i've mentioned before that she's got a typewriter at a parent's place we just don't have space for it here uh, and she used to type her short stories on a typewriter you know, when she was at uni and stuff like that, because there's just, that's why I love clicky keys so much too, because it's just that tactility and that sound and that response when you just tink, 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 you know, very, very hands-on feel. I myself, right now, obviously with my family situation and my living situation, aren't really doing keycap making and casting. Uh, you know, I do more decorative stuff now just with, you know, paint and, and coloring when I feel like it. So probably not in the same space to do really amazing artisans for them. Uh, but And they're in the US too, which makes it more expensive and harder to, to deal with. But if you want to get involved and you want to help Jennifer out, um, get in contact with her. Check out the actual uh, post, of course, that I have linked below, Instagram and so on and so forth. And yeah, diversify. Maybe that's a good way of talking about it. Diversify into, but back into typewriters. Ah, so you know what? Still managed to get an alright sized episode today. It's certainly not, you know, a double episode to compensate for last week. I hope, you know, my talking has kind of just given a bit of uh, enjoyment and tick over for you and that, yes, I'm still kicking. I'm just trying to deal with a bit of life, a bit of stress uh, and, and just a bit of self-care. You know, I'm going to probably fill in with these last 10 minutes talking a bit about that because... Um, I'm I'm part of a large number of discords, as a lot of people tend to be, and and one of them is actually a local Sydney discord, and we have a mental health channel in it. And I'm not a qualified or a certified professional in mental health. Um, you know, at work they run time to time courses for people to become trained as mental health first aiders. The fact that society has got to the point and recognizes that there can be such thing as a mental aid, uh, mental first aid type of thing, a mental health first aider, shows how important mental health is in general, right? To the, to a point where it's something that can actually be triaged by somebody with the appropriate training. And a lot of people talk about self-care. A lot of people mentioned self-care it's just like oh yeah i'm gonna have a bit of self-care today 
What exactly does that mean? Is it a throwaway line? Is it just an excuse to have a sick day at home, chuck a sickie and stuff like that? It's a bit of a yes. And at the same time, it's also a bit of a, you know what? You you really do need to have a bit of self-care. Of course, there's appropriate times for that. And it's not like you wake up in the morning and go, you know what? I just can't be bothered going to work. I'm going to have a self-care day. If you can afford to do that and your workplace isn't going to sack you for it, sure, why not? (laughs) Some of us, unfortunately, who might have a bit more responsibility, especially with other people direct reporting to you and things like that, or business, might not necessarily be able to afford to do that. So we have to use the time that we have available to us to do that instead. So, you know, come home and chillax. Some people might relax by having a drink or going out with friends. They might watch some something on the internet or you know play some games and things like that we all we all de-stress and and do our self-care in different ways some people will curl up with a mug of tea and read you know others will go and run on the treadmill for two hours and stuff like that but i think it's very important that we do look after our mental health and take a bit of time for self-care so i don't really you know, want to be apologizing for the fact that I didn't record last week. Uh, but at the same time, uh, I kind of feel bad because, you know, you guys are really fantastic in supporting me and, and I want to be able to, you know, produce content for you guys on a regular basis and keep in touch and everything else. Um, but it will come from time to time. So I hope that you all understand. Huh. Well, another episode, another week busy weekend coming up ahead i feel i'm going to be probably a bit pooped out from that and then running up into christmas there's always going to be a flurry of activity as work winds up and tries to get things sorted before shutdown periods and stuff like that as well as potential social pressures (laughs) i didn't really get invited to many parties so maybe it's not really going to be an issue but you know who knows who knows in any case I want to say thank you to all of our supporters and all of our Patreon supporters. I know I really should say thank you to them a lot more and recognize them. Um, I do apologize for not doing that, but thank you, thank you, thank you. Your support is very appreciated and it does help fund my crazy little experiments and adventures into uh, the space of keyboards. Well, I'm going to wrap it there for the week. Thank you very much for listening. Thank you very much for understanding. Be good to each other. And of course, until next time, happy clacking.